Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Vagrant and Ronin Jean. These two will hereby be executed by decapitation and their heads put on display. Are you ready to apologize? Are you ready to grovel at my feet and beg for forgiveness? If living means bowing down to the likes of you, hello, bastards, and welcome I'd to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. And that did not sound enthusiastic. And as always, it never I'm, does. <laughs> as always, I'm Joe, and with me today, two thousand miles away, is Nick. God, <laughs> <laughs> so I think far. it's like two. I think it's like two thousand miles. Um, uh, it could be. Could, might not be. I don't know. Yeah, coming from an undisclosed podcasting shack located on Oahu, Hawaii, is me. And uh, I wish I could say Hawaii is like really cool because like I have no idea. I'm not allowed to leave. <laughs> it looks which cool sucks. from the window. Yeah, like what's going on outside looks pretty rad, but like I have no idea. <laughs> the lizard tells me all about it. Yeah, a, a bird and a, a lizard have both moved in to my shack, and I and I. I'm not euphemistically using the term shack here. It's a shack. Uh, it is a. It looks like some kind of converted tool shed uh, that someone put a smoke detector with, uh, and that I have not seen blink. So I'm assuming it does not work. Don't uh, need it. Uh, it, it. There's like a closet with a bathroom in it, and it has like one of those folding closet doors too. Like it's not. Oh. It's not a motel door that slides into the door. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a folding closet door. Um, so like if I have to like take a dump, it's so small that I have to leave the door open because like <laughs> my knees. <laughs> yeah, because like my knees won't fit in the room. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, That's how it was uh, taking a dump in Japan for me. <laughs> yeah, you're not a small guy. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. It's either shit in the toilet or shit in the hole in the ground. I mean, the hole in the ground works. It's a squatty potty, right? It is, but I didn't. I was confused at first. I was like, mm, "What do I do here?" <laughs> Maybe that's the pit I throw my enemies down. <laughs> do I feed uh, something down there? <laughs> Speaking of Japan, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but that was a solid transition. Props out to Nick. Oh yeah, meant to do we're, it. Nailed it. We're we're talking about the national story. Of Japan, the 47 Ronin. Uh, now, I know it's pronounced Ronin. I will not be pronouncing it that way through the length of this podcast because I am not Dr. Bokalian. Yeah, except I'm not the doctor we just had on the show a couple weeks back. Who knows what she's talking about? I'm me. Um, but I did actually uh, consult her about this episode to make sure I was not being a complete idiot. Oh, um, yeah, so like I probably still have some things wrong. I did my best. Uh, most of the story comes from a anecdotal source, which is largely considered to be apocryphal at best. Uh, some people consider it true-ish with some mythology sprinkled in. Like This story is so popular that it inspired its own genre of like kabuki play. 
Um, Kabuki and, play. Yeah, and so like it's at this point, it's kind of like the virgin birth. <laughs> oh. Like, there did a did, did someone get pregnant from God? Probably not. Uh, no, but like there's. Some dudes probably showed up with some gifts like that probably happened type mm, thing. I see what uh, you're saying. So there, there's a lot of um, that's a, that's actually a terrible comparison. I don't know why I picked that. Uh, but like there's a there's a lot of things in here that are definitely true that definitely happen. Like there's government records of it happening and there's probably a lot of it that did not happen. Uh, so don't quote me. It's probably mythology. Uh, but that doesn't mean the story is not cool as hell. Um, awesome. They made they a did, whole movie. They made yeah, they did make a Keanu Reeves movie uh with the same title. Uh though I do have to warn you, there is no white guys fighting demons in this episode. I've never seen 47 Ronin, so I didn't know there were demons in the movie. Uh I don't know if demons is the correct term, but some kind of non-realistic beings. Would you say mythological? I feel like that's fair. All right. Uh but even if this doesn't involve strange creatures from another world, it is the most legendary revenge story in Japanese history, and in my opinion, the best one of all time. Let's get it on. Are you familiar with this at all? I know you've been to Japan. You're in a completely different part of Japan, but like, I was curious if like uh, you ever heard about this. Not at all. I've seen the movie title. All right. So this is perfect. So in order to understand this story you do have to understand a little bit about Japanese governmental history, which I know sounds fucking riveting, but hold on tight, everybody. If I remember correctly, Tom Cruise. Yes, uh, Tom Cruise is actually the Tokugawa shogunate. Uh, nice. But Now, most people would uh, unfairly compare feudal Japan, which this is not feudal japan it's the shogunate era but like some most people compare this to medieval europe right uh, like feudal lords pretty much being allowed to do whatever they want as long as they listen to the lord or the king above them who then controlled their entire country right like i like most people are familiar with like the shogun total war games which we've talked about before or you know tom cruise fucking last samurai uh most people are aware of what this looks like it kind of i'm not going to go into it <laughs> I'm not going to go into it a ton because that's like an entire other podcast series, probably. Um, but so the comparison complicated. It's super fucking complicated. Oh yeah, that's um, not for me. It's it's a lot like trying to understand. Like, have you ever played any paradoxes? Uh, uh, like ultra serious strategy games, like Crusader Kings. No, or never. So it's all right, that's not a great comparison then. But some somebody. <laughs> Somebody out there is like, yep, I get it. I immediately understand what you're talking about. And that is like, it's as if like everyone has uh, a feudal lord, like a daimyo, who's also falls under a different nearby one because they're kind of a vassal. But they also fall under the shogunate, who is the ultimate daimyo. But he's also the commander of the military. But he's not technically the ruler. ruler. The emperor is the ruler. But the em- but like the emperor is considered part kind of god so like it's below him to meddle in the daily affairs of mortals so the shogunate who controls the armies also in control of japan but not it's dumb uh i don't mean to say that's dumb because it's like super interesting if you have the kind of personality that's or or like interest that's into that like i kind of am i do not blame anyone whose eyes just rolled into the back of their head and no longer care about what i'm saying though 
but I will try to explain this the best way possible because it is important to understand why the 47 Ronin happened. Um, so the government we're talking about is called the Tokugawa Shogunate or the Bakufu. Uh, the Shogunate was, for a lack of a better term, a military dictatorship, but not really. Technically, they're under the control of the emperor and the Shogun was the commander of the armed forces. But like I said, the emperor was considered so high above mortals that like fucking around in the daily ins and outs of government was considered below him. But what really was is that the shogunate controlled the military. So the person who controls the military kind of does what they want. And so like even if emperors existed that wanted to meddle in everyday affairs, the shogun would be like, have a seat, junior. That's what it's kind of sounding like here. Yeah. Uh, and that would eventually change with, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, the name is ex- the Meiji Restoration, where the emperor would become the emperor once again, but like that doesn't happen for quite some time. Um, uh, meaning, in many cases, the emperor was turned into a puppet, something that we're all familiar with on this show. Uh, of course, that would eventually lead to all kinds of wars between people who were on the side of the shogunate and other people who thought the emperor should be in charge. But we're not going to talk about that too much. So the emperor controlled the country, uh, and or sorry, the shogun controlled the country, and we're talking about a feudal system who. Uh, were the lords, which most people are probably are aware of things like dukes and counts and things like that, but we're going to call them daimyo for the sake because this is Japan. The daimyo controlled large tracts of lands as fiefdoms, which were inherited down a family line or clans. Uh, something that sticks out from Europe is that the daimyo could really just come from nothing and win their way into that position. Uh, you could like can do something great in the field of battle and be elevated, or it also could just depend on how much rice your particular land uh, plot of land could produce. For instance, oh. in the Edo, yeah, for in the Edo period, the Tokugawa uh, that uh, Tokugawa Iyasu uh, said that pretty much anyone who could supply fifty thousand bushels of rice could be a feudal lord. Which, like, f- that rice flex dough, I guess, right. like that—that's a lot of rice. I, that which means you're like incredibly wealthy for sure. Um, and, and like, obviously, money did exist. But rice was more important because uh, that's how you didn't rice die. Rice was currency. Yeah, I mean, you don't starve to death if you have 50,000 gotcha. bushels of rice. Um, under those daimyo were the samurai. Obviously, as everyone is aware, sam- the samurai were the warrior class who swore to serve the daimyo during times of war. Uh, because the daimyo were rich in things like rice, the samurai were actually just normally paid in food. This meant that the samurai... Ser- sweet. Yeah, uh, it also meant that like the samurai's survival could be completely dependent on staying within the good graces of their lord or they would starve to death. Oh, um, I would hate to miss a paycheck. <laughs> right? God. Uh, Daimyo would command their private armies made up the, of the samurai. Like, And I say private armies as in like every daimyo had their own army and they would, like this, the shogun would be like, we need the, the clans of Japan to ally together. Like the daimyo would, like each one would command their own independent army for the most part. Oh, There's a lot more nuance to it that we're not going to get into, such as like inner clan alliances and marriages of, you know, you know how that shit works. Right, right. Uh, it, it's any other very feudal country that's ran this way. Turns out aristocracy is bad. Um, <laughs> big if true. Uh, but the, the daimyo would control these private armies made up of the samurai, the backbone of which were actually called the Ashigaru. Uh, but they could also be raised up from the samurai class in the case of uh, Toyotomi Hideyoshi, who promoted many of his warriors to become samurai. Like, 
regular conscripted spearmen like you did a good job out there buddy you're a samurai now uh yeah. but that cha- yeah that changed uh, eventually uh enough shoguns decided that, that was bad and decided like you can't do that anymore uh you're you're i don't know cheapening the brand or something uh though in some cheapening domains the, the brand huh <laughs> yeah in some domains ashigaro themselves were considered the lowest rung of the samurai class but in others they weren't so, and when I say domain, I mean like their fiefdom, right? Okay, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, some Ashigaru were considered like the lowest of the low for samurai, which is above most other people still. Uh, but like, I'm trying know, to figure out what class I'd be in. We would definitely be the peasantry. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. We're not samurai. Oh, definitely not. Because like even samurai were considered wealthy. Because they were direct beneficiaries of their domain. Even even if a domain is piss poor, and a lot of them were, they were still better off than the peasantry because they were still getting fed. Oh yeah, I forgot their paychecks is rice. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, and like honor and dumb shit like that, uh, which is, carries a lot of weight back then, I guess. I, know, I would rather just like I don't know, have a house, but whatever. But maybe a shack. Uh, yeah, maybe a, a shack in Hawaii. Um, in case anybody is wondering where those podcast and dollars are going, <laughs> does not go far in Oahu. Uh, <laughs> uh, another important part of how the government worked was like noble houses could simply up and disappear. Say if you're a daimyo who died with no heirs and the, like you had no established heir who was like a cousin, you had no direct children, no brothers, whatever. Not even a, a dog. Good, yeah. <laughs> daimyo puppy. You are now in charge. <laughs> Uh, honestly, probably better rule than most of the guys we're going to talk about today. Uh, oh, but uh, the the shogun would just confiscate everything that you owned. What? <laughs> like, yep, family domain's gone, mine now. Uh, <laughs> and, and like, they would then use that opportunity to like right, like elevate someone else. So like, your clan would be gone, a new clan would rise up, um, which happened a lot. Uh, like sometimes you could just like, hey, my heir is like that guy. He's like my like my favorite aide or something, and that's that's how it worked. But like if that didn't happen, uh, and the the shogun confiscate everything you owned, your samurai would become ronin, which are castouts. They're masterless samurai. This same thing could happen if you're a daimyo if you pissed off the shogun, like an act of like. And there was a lot of rules, which we'll get to, that could piss off the shogun. But this also could be, like, personal slights, not giving him fucking rice his that wife. you own. Definitely fucking his wife. Yeah, don't fuck the daimyo's wife. <laughs> <laughs> or don't fuck, don't be a shogun, Jody. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a band name. I feel like that could work. Shogun Jody's? Uh, like, an, an ultimate act of exile. Like, we're all familiar with exile. Like, you're, you're gone from the land or whatever. Yeah. So... In Japan, they had the ultimate version of exile, and that was the the shogun could just order you to kill yourself and then take everything what? that you own. <laughs> yes, like you'd 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 have to like commit ritual suicide, like we talked about before on the show a few times. Like you would have to kill yourself because pissing off the shogun, because like pissing off your master and the shogun is the daimyo's master is considered like an ultimate form of dishonor. So in order to get your honor back, you'd have to ritually kill yourself, which is like slicing your belly open. Um, and eventually they realized that like, this is really unappealing. So they instituted a second, which was, uh, as soon as you committed the act of slicing your belly, someone behind you would immediately cut your head off. So you would die immediately. 
it's still it's not like, any better. Because <laughs> no, like, no, I'd be like, "Fuck you! You're gonna have to cut my belly for me, bitch!" Like I, I'm not gonna do that. It's like all those uh, video, like those movies that we've talked, like uh, you know, Enemy at the Gates, where they just slide him a pistol, like you know what to do. I'm like, no, yeah. bro, you're gonna have to do it. I'm a huge coward. I can't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> You better nut up and shoot me yourself. I don't think I'd be uh, able to stab myself with a sword. Definitely not. That shit would hurt. Oh, for <laughs> that sure. Shit would hurt. I don't think I'd have the I commitment. Mean, that, no, hell no. I'd give myself like a paper cut at best. And like, and still pain, be like, oh, are you sure? This hurts. And it's, it's not even I'm in me. I'm really <laughs> hoping for that part in as you just slowly stab yourself. And like, am I honored um, yet? <laughs> do I have your honor? Oh, the, the pain was the point. And like, you. It took so long for people to die this way, and you weren't allowed to just keel over and die. Like the whole way, allowed to what? Like like you you could just like, like you couldn't like do the 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 seppuku participation trophy of just slicing your belly open. Like you had to, if you cut yourself and you didn't die, which it should be noted, you will not die immediately. You had to keep cutting yourself until you passed out from the pain or blood loss. So you're just like going to town on yourself until you finally, your body's like, that's it, we're done here. Oh, like a pre-sliced Thanksgiving ham. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, sure. Except I hope nobody's eating it. Oh, I hope <laughs> not. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, and then after all this happened, the Shogun would then confiscate everything you own and cast out your samurai as Ronin. Because a lot of it was like, People were of now. This wasn't always true. This is a, a very era specific thing, but like people were worried that if we take in Ronin, they're dishonored, right? Because like now they have no master, so you're supposed to kill yourself as well, right? Like that's the way to get your honor back. Uh, so like if I if I don't kill myself as a Ronin, uh, then the next master will be like, well, I don't want to take him in. He doesn't have any honor. He wouldn't kill himself. So it's like. How Everybody's would you take like, me in if I'm dead? Right, exactly. That's the point. <laughs> I have a resume that, ready. Was, I'm ready to start. Appointed. Yeah. Uh, I'm willing to negotiate how much rice you're paying me. Uh, but like, right. but like, that wasn't always the case. We'll get to that, though. But becoming a Ronin was not good, obviously. Remember, there's a good chance that your livelihood and existence depended on being a loyal retainer. And oh, Ronin just sounds eat. so cool. Yeah, I'm Ronin. Right. Like, I think it appeals to like the American sense of the samurai, whereas like they get to be individualists. Uh, but it wasn't good. Um, not only was becoming a Ronin dishonorable, uh, you were now broke as hell and unemployed. Nobody would employ you, and nobody was now feeding you. You had no job abilities other than how to cut people with a sword. Uh, because Ronin were supposed to kill themselves upon like losing their masters, a lot of samurai recognized how dumb that was and wouldn't do it. Like a lot of Ronin exists because like. I'm not gonna kill myself because my boss was a douchebag. Yeah, and pissed right. off the fucking shogun. Just because he but farted also at the meant, dinner table doesn't mean I have to kill myself. I really wish you understood how close you were to that actually being the case. Oh, that's <laughs> when awesome. It, when it came, when it came to like the importance of court etiquette, but we'll get there. I promise we'll talk about it because it's ridiculous. Um, now there is a is a time where moving between masters was not uncommon for samurai. Uh, but that changed during the Edo period, which we happen to be talking about. Sam- samurai sound as like you they're c- in like a kennel, and like new masters come to find—I don't know. Yeah, they're just a new samurai. 
they're very much not in charge of their own lives, uh, even though they're... Do, I mean, nobody sympathizes with the samurai. They're dicks. Like, that's something like, yes, sure, they might talk about honor and everything, but, like, they were fucking assholes. Uh, I mean, and they I would, explore- too. I, got, I wore a samurai helmet in Japan. Not comfy. I mean, don't get me wrong. Samurai are cool and all, uh, like, as an aesthetic and as a history, but, like, they completely exploited the peasantry and treated them like shit. So, like, I have no sympathy for anybody we're talking about during any of this. Um, but, like, so during the Edo time, they changed it where you couldn't switch without your master's approval. Like, if you're like, hey, I, I don't know, like, my wife got a gig with Google over in Kamakura or whatever. <laughs> like, I really, like, I really would like the PCS over there, boss. But, like, you had to have your master's approval, right? But your master's dead, so he couldn't give you approval. I feel like any, I don't think any masters would even agree to it. I don't know. I feel like that's just me. I have no idea how common these transfers were. Um, but I'm willing to bet it wasn't uncommon, but it, it would require, I don't know, some talking. I don't fucking know. I don't know about samurai politics. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which sounds way cooler than the normal politics we talk about here. Uh, but but the Ronin were looked down upon by everyone, to include the peasantry, oh, uh, yeah. because like, yeah, because like the samurai class were highly elevated over the peasantry, and the peasantry is like conditioned to honor samurai. Like, don't even look them in the eye when they pass. You bow to them. You serve them for shit like that. So to see a Ronin who's cast out from them and looked down by all the other samurai means you think of them as as shit. Now you wouldn't say that to their face because they'll they kill get, you. How did they get the memo <laughs> that this guy's Ronin? You would you'd be able to tell. He wouldn't be wearing uh, the right colors anymore. He wouldn't belong to a domain. He would definitely start looking like shit because uh, he wouldn't be. He would have to work. Most importantly, mm. samurais did not work. Like, it was normal jobs were considered so far below their standards that, like, picking up a trade is, like, holy shit, did you hear, like, Bill is fucking is still carrying his swords, but now he's a, he went to, I don't know, night school at the community college, and now he's a welder? Hmm. You know, like, it, like nobody's, uh, to see a samurai plying a normal trade, like, weaving, like, weaving tatami mats or even farming was considered like so far below them. So most of them had no idea how to do anything other than swing a sword. So doing that, they quickly became criminals and mercenaries and Jesus. fucking bandits. Because they're like, I can rob people with this sword. I mean, I'm going to do that. It makes sense. I mean, sure. It's the same reason why a lot of people got the military. Not to, not to compare modern soldiers with samurai, even though they'd like really get hard hearing me say that. It's like, I know how to use a gun. Who's going to hire me to do that? So a lot of people end up working for like Triple Canopy and fucking Dynecore and shit. <laughs> like the army taught me how to use the cannon of a tank. Uh, not a lot of union jobs with that. I don't think that's going on in the shack these days. No, 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 not a lot of jobs. But I, instead of, you know, uh, becoming a, a highly paid podcaster, uh, I could have gone and like worked for Triple Canopy and made like $800 a day. I didn't, but I coulda. God, that so like, great. I get eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and like, and like robbing people's fucking uh, wagons as they transport goods is incredibly lucrative. You're a bastard, but you're not going to worry about money too much, right? 
So like it, it really comes like how you're going to weigh how how are your morals going to outweigh how hungry you are. And I'm really happy that's not a competition I had to have with myself. <laughs> Which brings us to a daimyo named Asano Naganori. Now, As- Naganori was the head of the Asano clan, a clan uh, that started when his grandfather paid the shogun at $50,000. So, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, now, they're, obviously, their currency was not dollars. It was like koku, but like, you know, dollars are do- dollar dollar bills, y'all. He, pay- he paid for it, which, sure, whatever. That's no different than now. How do you think half the people on fucking the cabinet and whatever administration, like, I got money. That means I'm successful, right? Welcome to America, random fucking landlord ghoul. Hmm. Uh, think of this as like a franchisee of Japanese power. That $50,000 didn't exactly get him a whole lot, though, as the Asano clan was considered a pretty small power in the grand scheme of daimyos. Game of Daimyos? I don't know. I feel like that could be a show that exists that I would watch. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Except, like, maybe keep the dragons out of it and just make it a good show. Are you listening, HBO? I will work for you. (laughs) (laughs) One thing Daimyos would get to do, uh, like, when they're, like, ruling their weird domains, small or big power, uh, they'd get appointed to weird, mostly ceremonial roles within the shogunate government. Uh, no, these roles would not be paid. Uh, the shogunate would appoint these people to roles within the court because it would force them to move to the capital, no matter where they were in the country, so he could keep an eye on them. This ended up being something of a formalized way of keeping hostages, forcing lords to rotate in and live in the capital, and when they were back in their domain, a member of their family would take their place and their house in the capital. So if any lords wanted to stand up to the shogunate, they'd have to fuck around and find out, because, like, Oh shit, my wife's at Edo Castle or something now, and he'll he'll kill her. (laughs) Also, this entire process of moving back and forth would not, like, the shogun's not paying relocation fees. It would be footed by the daimyo. This meant that it would cost up to half of their annual earnings, moving their court and retainers back and forth across the country every year or so. What? The shogun was. There's actually a really good reason as why they did this. If you're constantly moving and spending half of your money, there's a, probably a pretty good reason that you're so poor and tired that you couldn't rally too many people to your cause if the Shogun was really unpopular. I mean, I guess, but... It, it worked. I mean, I guess. It, 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 kept the Tokugawa as, it kept the Tokugawas in power for a very, very long time. So it, it was successful. God, I hate this guy, but God damn it, I'm tired. Also, the Tokugawa Shogunate is renowned for its long peace. So, like... It worked. Oh, there, there wasn't oh. a lot of, uh, yeah. I mean, does it I suck? Guess that's an yes. upside. I mean, also you have to remember that we are almost feeling sympathy for feudal lords. So, like, fuck them. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> I don't extend sympathy for daimyos or lords. It's a podcast rule. It's a good rule. In Naganori's, yeah, in Naganori's case, he was appointed to the hilariously named head of carpentry at the imperial court. Head of carpentry. Head of carpentry. Uh, it's a it was a ceremonial role, uh, thankfully, because uh, he wasn't a carpenter. I highly doubt this guy could build a chair or something. No, I doubt it. Yeah, he's like, can I hit it with a sword? <laughs> yeah. So during this time working within the imperial court, Naganori had to undergo a training period. 
because imperial court etiquette was pretty goddamn intense, and stepping outside of that etiquette was considered a huge deal. Oh, he's doing rehearsals? Pretty much. And he has, like, a coach to do it. Oh, fuck that. And the people in the imperial court um, kind of thought the Asano clan was, like, hillbillies. <laughs> from, like, like, the Japanese version of that, because they, like, lived out in the countryside. Oh, the Alabama of Japan. Sure. Uh, I, congrats on your football team, Asano clan. Yeah. Um, these rights included, uh, like, these rites and ceremonies even include things like as simple as e- eating or drinking or even taking a shit. Like, when you poured sake, you had to pour it in a very specific way in a very specific order. If you fuck that up, it's considered dishonorable and bring shame on you. And you Same die. goes for eating. Oh, you had a die right, too, which we'll find out. I mean, we already talked about that. You got to kill yourself in the prescribed way, right? Can you kill yourself um, at the table? Like, you just fucking spill something. You're like, oh, fuck, pull the sword out. Fah, right there. No, normally you had to, like, uh, sit down, write a death poem, change into white. Uh, get your ceremonial dagger out. Then there had to be witnesses. Yeah, it was a whole, it was a whole big you thing. Draw out this poem for say a few years. <laughs> uh, this poem <laughs> might take me twenty, thirty years to get right. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's like at the end of my book contract, I have to kill myself. So the third book is going to take <laughs> the next sixty fucking years. Shout out to my publisher, guys. Uh, but like, so like when I say that etiquette. Uh, included taking a shit. I was not joking. Maids would intend appear at uh, imperial women and men uh, with full ladles. Like, uh, like you've been to Japan, so you know, like they they have like bidets when you wipe your oh, ass, yeah. right? This is kind of like weird. a manual bidet. Uh, where manual. Minute, yeah, so like women or men would take a shit, right? right? And then their attendants, men or women, would come with uh, like a full thing of water and a ladle. So the people would then like just like <laughs> lean forward and their servants would ladle water onto their butthole. Oh yes, I remember this. Yeah. This is this is the, the first class treatment if you're like Japan Airlines or something. When I, I was know. going through Tokyo, I had uh, you know, you know the standard bidets, but then when I went through the Alabama of Japan, there were dudes in the bathroom waiting for it. Was just, it was just some guy named <laughs> Phil with a ladle. Yeah, he wasn't even Japanese. Hey, you need me to ladle that butthole? Hey there, brother. <laughs> I was in the army too. God damn it. <laughs> Get away. So, like, the rule was, uh, on top of that etiquette being bad enough, where you have to be, like, the butthole ladle guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying really hard to keep it together, but like I keep seeing a visual uh, and it's not it's not yeah. going great. I got I got Shaq madness. Um, so if Spread like your cheeks, sir. Like, <laughs> uh, so while they're ladling this butthole, <laughs> if <laughs> I can't, I fucking can't. This is a this is a fucking job that existed. Uh, okay. All right. One more time. <laughs> While they're ladling this butthole, <laughs> if so, the the late the ladler, if their upper appendages, like their like arms or elbows, I'm not even talking about like their ladle hand, um, touches their lower appendages, like their you know their legs right. during the act of ladling that butthole. They would have to quickly retreat out of the room in reverse, right? Like, because they can't turn in mid 
mid butthole label ladling. Yes, they would have to quickly apologize, and like, his turning your back on on the the ladle is dishonorable, and they would have to go and undergo purification, like you know, I guess I don't know. A guy with Fuck another it. ladle. <laughs> purifying yourselves with the waters of Lake Minnetonka <laughs> and fucking come back and then continue to ladle that butthole. So the dude and, like, has to stay in that position the whole time? <laughs> yeah, I'm at, I, I just can't. So, like, I, I think now we have to really care. Whose squat is stronger? This guy or a, or a, or a fucking a Gopnik? Because they might be squatting Holy a long shit. time, right? Uh, well, that's a, that's periodically something... they have to shit. Gopniks are just born that way. Like, imagine, like, a long night of drinking, eating fucking, I don't know, Taco Bell or something, and they just fucking dominate Whoa. this Where squatty potty. <laughs> Taco Bell got franchised in 1600 Japan. Keep up. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, you're, you're like, in the break room or whatever for, the, like, the local butthole later, ladlers union, and, like, they, they ring the bell, and you're like, fuck, Naganori took a shit again, and that dude was out drinking all night. So oh, you have man. to go up there, and this dude dominated that toilet, and you know he's got back splatter and everything, and you need like five or six ladles. Maybe you run out of the bucket. Oh man! Or maybe you had a long night of ladling buttholes because somebody had dysentery, and because this is before like penicillin existed, and like your legs are fucking tired, so you like you rest your hands on your legs, and you're like, oh shit, I have to go purify myself. I'll be right back, yeah. hoss. You take a knee. <laughs> oh shit. shit. I take I take a knee for this butthole ladling anthem. <laughs> I could talk about this all day, but I guess we should probably move on. <laughs> I fucking love this. That's probably the best thing ever. That's the best the job tr- title I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> the true heroes of this podcast are not Nick. They're not Joe. They're not Leica. They're not the samurai. They're the they're the everyday butthole ladlers. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking butthole ladle union. We want lighter ladles. I want a five-minute break every time I got to ladle this guy's butthole because, you know, he's got IBS, and that motherfucker's hitting the squatty potty every 10, 15 minutes. And you know what? I've been at this job for 20 years, and you've already cut my benefits. This guy's got hairy butthole, so it's like peanut butter coming out of a shag carpet. <laughs> it's kind God of a damn. big deal. <laughs> Who brought the Armenian to Japan? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've tried to move on from the butthole lately, but I have a feeling we're going to come back to that. Got to. Any- anyway, Naganori, in the middle of all of this, was teamed up with another lord named Kamie Korachika. So these guys were given a job. Now, they're both minor lords from kind of backwoods-ass Japan. If Are we- these, these guys' least- jobs... Shaking penises after du- after they're done <laughs> pissing. <laughs> we already got the Lord ladling. That, see, that's how the show that actually kept people in line is by giving them the most degrading jobs yeah. on earth. <laughs> All right. Ah, I, I see that you're in command of 500 samurai. I'm gonna ladle. I'm gonna make you ladle my butthole, and, and you're gonna I'm gonna you're gonna look up at me while you're doing it. And you're gonna say thank you, sir. What a wonderful tea party. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so like their job was to uh, uh, arrange a fitting reception for the envoys of the emperor that were coming to Edo Castle. But because these two guys were pretty much there against their will, 
they were going to be supervised by a high-ranking lord from within the castle. This guy's name was Kira Yoshinaka. Uh, now, Yoshinaka, or Kira, was a toke, uh, or a koke, however you pronounce it. Sorry, Japan. I know we're big over there. Uh, or sorry, the one Japanese uh, PhD in history that we have that will be listening to this and be like, God damn it, they're pronouncing everything wrong. Shout out to you. Uh, now, he was the grand master of ceremonies of Edo Castle. He was the he was the MC of this shit. Uh, this was his nightclub, and he was gonna have uh, like ran the way that he wanted to run. Right. This is a position so powerful within the shogunate that he was in charge of transporting the shogun's personal letters to the emperor. And he would sometimes represent the shogun himself at lower level meetings. Oh wow! Or with or with daimyos that the the shogun thought that wasn't really worth his time. Uh, lords appointed this position almost always came from the oldest, most powerful clans in the whole country. In short, this is not a guy you want to fucking piss off. This is big. He dick will guy. ruin. Yeah, this is big dick energy. He will ruin your motherfucking life if you piss him off. And not only, it's like. I like the 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 last of the Mohicans who's like I will wipe your entire seed from this planet. He'll do that, but by forcing you to commit suicide. Uh one of the one of the other functions was teaching people ceremonies when they came to Edo Castle uh for their designated kidnapping times because it was it was accepted that like these guys aren't going to know how this castle's ran. It's your job to keep them up to speed. So like we pointed out before, this story is kind of a legend. So what happened next is kind of up in the air, and it depends on who you think is the good guy or the bad guy here. Plot twist. They're all bad guys, but anyway, I'll move on. In one case, Kira is corrupt as shit, and he's demanding a bribe so large it deeply offended Naganori. Oh, this guy's asking for a bribe? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about bribery, but yeah. Another is that customs dictated that Naganori give gifts to Kira to show that he was appreciated uh, for teaching him how to, you know, do the ceremony. And he refused to do so, leading Kira to reprimand him for a breach of customs. Uh, it's still another telling is Kira is just a fucking asshole. For sure. Uh, and, and Kamye also wanted to kill Kira, but was talked out of it by Naganori. Now, either way, what happened next is not up for debate. Naganori drew his sword and attacked Kira, slashing him across the face before the two were pulled apart. So Who's a few things a dude with a sword apart from another what? Probably a a Kamye. I don't know. I mean, there's people all around. I'm when not all getting this is between that. He's got this, a sword. To me, this is like when you try to start a fight, but like you keep your arms up and it's like, hold me back, hold me back. And like, cause he knew one. Uh, he knew he wasn't going to kill him. We'll get to that point. A few things here to point out. Uh, we consulted with the... <laughs> it's a reverse blade sword. <laughs> um, what up, Kenshin? Uh, now, I consulted with our official podcast PhD, Dr. Bacallian here, uh, a scholar of Japanese history. Go listen to the episode. Uh, what she told me leads me to believe that Naganori was just a fucking idiot and had something of an anger problem. Um, one, the entire shogunate government was ran on graft and bribes. Absolutely every level it was corrupt as hell, and everybody knew it. This is something that a ranking lord of even a minor noble family like his would have absolutely known, because his family was enfranchised into the nobility by a bribe. 
Maybe he just like, thought he was special in a way, I guess. I don't know. Well, he he would have absolutely known that this is how things work. It was a openly known fact that you bribe your way through everything. It was just an everyday life. It's just a part of everyday life. This is like you, I don't know, getting pissed off that you go to the airport and you have to walk through a metal detector. It's just how things work. <laughs> you, you could get mad about it, sure, but then you're going to fucking do it. Uh, but he did not. Another is, even if he was ignorant of castle protocol, he would have absolutely known that drawing his weapon and attacking a very, very high-ranking member of a of a royal fa- or of a noble family, and an official within the shogunate government, and another samurai family much higher than his own, would have immediately ended in his own death, which we'll get to. Um, yeah, and that just it was, seems like a huge no-no. Yeah, um, it, it was so he, Naganori would have been. Very, very, very ignorant of castle protocol. I'll give him that much. But nobody was ignorant to the fact of drawing your weapon with an Edo castle was a capital offense. I've so, never been to the castle, and I know not to draw my weapon there. Yeah, uh, obviously. <laughs> 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 Fucking plebes. <laughs> Whenever I go to Edo castle, I render it the proper respectability and do not pull my blade out. Uh, the last thing is, Naganori clearly sucked with a sword. Do you open he carry jumped... with a katana? Uh, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> Maybe in Texas. I don't know. Hawaii has very strict open carry laws. Um, yeah, Naganori clearly sucked with a sword because he jumped a man who never drew his weapon and did not expect to be attacked because like, it's like, don't you know who I am type energy and only managed to lightly wound him. He didn't even cripple him. Kenshin Himura, this man was not. That's anyway, awesome. Naganori's transgression was immediately brought to the attention of the shogun, Tokugawa Suninor, uh, Sur- Suniyoshi, sorry, uh, who immediately ordered Naganori to kill himself. Uh, furthermore, Naganori had pissed off the shogun so much that his entire domain was to be confiscated by the government and his samurai to either kill themselves with their master or to become ronin. Hold on, shogun, bro. I gotta write this poem out. It's gonna take me some time. Uh, Naganori committed suicide without much of a complaint, writing a death poem that said, quote, More than a cherry blossom inviting a wind to blow them away. I am wondering what to do with the remaining springtime. Yep. That's it? It turns out the remaining springtime for him was about 15 minutes. Yeah, like, <laughs> not much. He was buried nearby in a temple in what is modern-day Tokyo. Oh, okay. Uh, his uh, yeah, we'll 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 get to more of where he's buried in a little bit. Okay. Now, news of this took days to reach Naganori's domain of Akko, uh, because you know, it's feudal Japan. They weren't exactly going to get a fu- the, the the shogun wasn't going to slide into his DMs, and be like, "LOL, you're all unemployed now." <laughs> to which his samurai retainers were rendered speechless, not only because their boss was dead, because because now they were also expected to kill themselves or considered living horrible, worthless, and unemployed lives and be unable to feed themselves or their families. The retention rate in that samurai clan was low. (laughs) Many of the samurai demanded that they refuse this order and defend the castle and prepare to fight the shogun's men when they came to confiscate their late master's estate. What? Which, like, shout out to them. That's, That's pretty ballsy. Others said they should do as their oaths commanded and kill themselves. No. And then there was Oishi Yoshio. He was the estate's Karo, or the head-ranking samurai. 
He told everybody to shut the fuck up. Let him figure this out. Okay. Oishi was a senior figure on the estate. As Karo, he was partially in charge of everything when Naginori was fo- forced to go to Edo uh, for his scheduled shogunate kidnapping. So, so, like, all of... He was, like, doing most of Naginori's work. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. And he was highly respected as an honorable man and respected by everybody on this estate. So, if you he will, told, this is the Keanu Reeves. I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, Oshio turned and looked at them, or, or Oishi turned and looked at them as like, whoa. <laughs> Oishi told the samurai to vacate the castle when the Shogun's men showed up. And they did. Just he like then that? Told, yep. I mean, they were going to listen to him. Hey, that's awesome. He then told his fellow samurai to accept their fate as Ronin. And 47 of them did. Uh, about 250 others reportedly killed themselves. Holy shit. I don't know how true that is. That number might be inflated to make the 47 look better or worse. Uh, take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Kiro was not going to rest on his laurels for being a high-ranking shogunate official who just got the guy who made him a little bit uglier killed and his entire family thrown onto the street. He was instead worried that the samurai who refused to kill themselves... Uh, we're going to do something. Oishi was known to be an honorable and right man. And almost everybody was shocked that he, that he seemingly shrugged off and accepted his fate as a Ronin. Kira was worried about revenge, which hilariously enough, the Shogun specifically said the Ronin were not allowed to attempt to get revenge. Right. And like I, that was in, it, a, that it, was in his orders. Like, Oh, well I was going to get revenge for, you know, ruining my entire life. But boss said I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny how he was actually scared of that. Like, he saw it coming. Like, kind of. How often did it does it happen where Ronins just get together and go, "Hey, let's go do this shit," and it failed? Um. Well, I think he knew Oishi, and he also knew that like the possibility was there. So re- he reinforced his castle, hired more bodyguards, and dispatched spies to track down and shadow the various Ronin as they began to start their new lives. But revenge was not immediately on their minds. Kind of. Instead, Oishi pled with the ca- uh, pled the case of the Asano family to the shogun through an intermediary. So, because uh, like the the clan already had a, an heir lined up, so like shogun just like pass it down to him. They'll apologize for his, for you know daddy being a dick, and then we can all just move on. He wasn't even asking to be reinstated as a, as like the Karo. He's like, please, I'm worried about my boss's family because that was his job. Uh, all around, sounds like had, a good guy. Yeah, uh, he he's like hyper honorable, which like take that with a grain of salt as well, uh, because a there's nothing in this rice. A grain of rice, nice, well done. Uh, now, so like a lot of this could just be to fluff up Oishi's honor- honorable stat. I don't know. Um, so he asked for the family to be reinstated and their domain returned, um, but the shogun refused. So Oishi gathered the other 46 ronin together and they swore a blood oath to kill uh, Kira and deliver his head to the grave of their dead master. Ooh. But they couldn't just like, all right, time to storm the keep, boys. Uh, the guy had turned his house into the Japanese version of Fort Knox and they didn't exactly have an army and they were broke, so they couldn't hire any extra help. Yeah, so they're on their own. 47 dudes. Yeah. Instead, Oishi told them to bide their time. More so... They, they, they couldn't just, like, sit around being, like, the, the stone-faced samurai that we all picture in our heads right now. 
when we think of that class. But rather, they would have to become such fuck-ups in the eyes of their fellow samurai that nobody in their right mind would ever see them as threatening, and they wouldn't worry about them. So they scattered to different domains, and most importantly, started doing everything that you would never see a samurai do. At least not... Oh, they were partying. At least not what you would expect a, a samurai to do and then like expect to be respected as a person or a warrior. Some of them learned trades and took menial labor jobs. I know that sounds like it wasn't a big deal, but this is like a general officer or field marshal or something burning shit alongside a group of privates. <laughs> like I said, samurai in good standing were not allowed to hold what we would consider jobs. They knew only choppy boy stuff with a sword. I don't know. This was a society that took the caste system very seriously. So so seriously, in fact, that the samurai had what was called a right to strike, which I guess is a right yield stand your, considered a yield stand your ground law, which meant that they could cut down literally it anybody. Reminds me of Cobra Kai. Yeah, I don't I don't remember this episode of GI Joe. To be fair, is it Cobra uh, Kai? This, or am I thinking uh, of? I was thinking of Cobra Commander. You're thinking of uh, the Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Yep, yep. I would, I would, I would feel like that the the Cobra Kai would agree with this rule. This meant that they could literally cut down anyone from a lower class that they just thought had dishonored them. Oh, dude, that's totally the Karate Kid. That's totally the Cobras. You got to hit someone with that fucking crane kick if they look at you sideways. <laughs> Sweep the leg. It was considered dishonorable to even a to even look at a samurai in the eye as you walk past them. Now, regarding that right to strike, it was considered a self-defense rule, but it really wasn't. Like a lot of it had to do with like what if this person attacked me? But also dishonoring someone was considered a, a, like a kind of attack. Yeah, it's dumb. Huh. Kind of like, I don't know, someone not turning the rap music down was considered self-defense in Florida not that long ago. Really? Yeah, that happened. That happened. Yeah, some fat pudgy white guy unloaded his handgun into a car with a group of black kids in it because they wouldn't turn their music down. I believe he actually went to prison after a while, but he didn't get like life because it's Florida and we're in the United States. Oh man, never. Yeah, never a good story. No, uh, and no good story starts in Florida ex- unless it's like a, a story of the sem- unless it's a story of like the Seminole Indians just owning the fuck out of some settlers. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, like, remember, like, getting dishonored was considered a form of attack. The samurai who thought they were being dishonored would just simply have to prove to a government official that that person that they killed totally had it coming, and they'd be good to go. Now, if you remember that this is a government that ran mostly on bribes, it should not shock you to understand they mostly got away with it. <laughs> so these samurai would spread out to sell sensi or whatever, just and, like, some became monks, uh, which was weird. Oishi took the game to a whole new level, though. Oishi knew, as the state Karo, that Kira would be keeping a very close eye on him. And Oishi was a sly motherfucker, and he always knew each one of uh, Kira's spies. Like, oh, that's a spy. That's a spy. Now I need to act up. That's a spy. Like, he, he was a smart guy. Um, right. He moved far away from Akko, moving all the way to Kyoto, and left his wife of 20 years. What? Now he did this because he was worried about, um, like, what his what ha- would happen to his family through all this. Like he, they were still very close friends and talked throughout all this, but legally they got a divorce. 
uh, because he knew all of his dishonorable acts and his eventual murder of Kira would all fall back on her. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, like, throughout all of this, they were still talking, and she was like, Oishi, I think you're going a bit far. He's like, I have yet to begun to peak being a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, now it's time for me to party. <laughs> yes. Um, now, I mean, that's a fair point, uh, because it also went into his his shtick, if you will, because his his plan was to make everybody think he was going to become a worthless, whoring drunk. So, like, it looked like he had become such a worthless piece of shit drunk that his wife had just left him, which, you know, works. Luigi knew that the more he got people talking, spreading rumors, and what have you, uh, the more that all of those would trickle back to Kira and more that his spies would see. And because villagers and nobles of the Tokugawa era were apparently chatty fucking Cathy's. Yeah, they sound like a bunch of fucking gossip queens. God. Yeah. This worked really well. Uh... He also would go further than anybody thought to go. He did go out and become worthless drunk, but in order to get the word out, he would have to act like a drunken idiot in public spaces. So he went to geisha houses where people could see him, uh, sp- spent way too much money, got drunk and loud and made an ass of himself. Um, like to the point that like other people were like, God damn. Uh, soon rumors were spreading fast and like uh he was like he would moved from like one place to another throughout the course of the night and like just drink all night long stumbling from point a to point b verbally and physically accosting people in the street like he would just punch people scream at them spin at them i'll ladle it i'll light all this shit out that butthole uh (laughs) quite literally that's the, the job uh, Oishi and his group would frantically move about the city at all hours of the day, hitting up places seemingly at random, but everything was actually planned out. Oh, they this were forced... bar hopping. Well, kind of. He uh, he went to so many different places that he forced Kira to hire more and more spies to cover Kyoto, as they had no idea where the seemingly drunk and insane person would go next. As he placed more spies, Oishi would discover them and ensure their next drunken shitbag parade would hit up that place next. So they'd have more to report. Oishi also pi- uh, purposely picked out the uh, the poorest place in town, like the bars, the tea houses, or whatever, that someone of his standing should have no business in whatsoever. I, I like a dive bar. I like a good dive bar. And actually, one of the geisha places that he got drunk at at the most still exists to this day. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a historical place, obviously, but also it's still a geisha bar. So cool. Sweet. Um, so the spies reported back to Kira what they were seeing, that this, that these like feared group of Ronin weren't planning anything, and in fact all they were doing was spending all their money like idiots, drinking and fighting random people on the, sh- on the street who were just trying to go about their way. You wouldn't believe uh, this. These guys are party animals. I mean, most people wouldn't recognize what I just explained as just being a lower enlisted person in the military. Not a samurai. <laughs> but the act would not end there. In one interaction... Oishi runs into another group of his former Akko samurai, a man named Hara Mototoki. Hara began screaming at Oishi for becoming such a disgrace and looked like he was about ready to kill him um, and like had to be like separated by another group, but it was all an act. Ooh, nice. Like They did this all the time. On another Ooh. occasion, a, gr- a group of Ronin acted concerned for their former boss 
So they purchased a full-time geisha that would just follow him around and care for him, hoping it would calm them down. But in reality, she was also in on it. This is awesome. This is juicy. <laughs> I like this. This is like a heist film where at it the is. very end, he's like, ah, but actually. This is a better Oceans movie. <laughs> and another act, Oishi pretended to pass out drunk on the side of the road and stay there all night. Uh, I need to point out that Oishi oh, was not actually. Yeah, he wasn't actually drinking because he had to keep his wits about him in order to like make this all look good. Like this is all very, very good planning. He yeah. did all this in public. He could have very easily just got drunk at home. He yeah. had tons of money. That's commitment. Yeah, so like he would just like oh, gets him to go lay down the street and sleep all night. So when he was laying on the street, a passing samurai from the Satsuma domain saw him lying there, was upset that a samurai, even a Ronin, was being so dishonorable and just began to physically assault him, punching, oh, wow. kicking, and spitting on him. Oishi, who remember was not actually drunk, did not retaliate. Instead, he just laid there and got these shit stomped out of him. It's all a ruse. This is commitment to a bit, man. <laughs> this act of drinking, whoring, and fighting, and all around destroying the reputations went on for 14 months. Fuck that. Now, this is obviously commitment to the bit, but, uh, like, and it's, it's now heralded as, like, being just so committed to your master to do all this thing, all these things. Um, the author of the Hagakure, which is a really good book I recommend everybody uh, reads, it's really good, um, as, at least as a historical piece to understand a lot of this stuff, pointed out that while he understands why Naganori did what he did, he should have just attacked Kira because during these 14 months where you're just going around wrecking your life in order to get closer to him, what if Kira just keels over from a heart attack? True. And then you're like, what do you, how do you recover from that? You're like, guys, I was just kidding. I wasn't actually drunk this whole time. <laughs> the time I pissed my pants, it was a joke. It was a bit. It's it totally fine. Everything's clever cool. ruse I was playing. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, all right, whatever, Junior. Like, nobody's going to believe you. Yeah. Like, you've, you've ruined your reputation. Now you're going to have to kill yourself, for sure. Uh, and you didn't get revenge. But, you know, whatever. That's just one guy's opinion, I guess. Only when uh, Oishi was certain Kira no longer saw him as a threat, and let his guard down, did he summon the rest of the band of Ronin to come back together? How did he summon them? He sent them letters. Like, all of them had stayed in contact this whole time. Wow. And a lot of them had slowly migrated towards the capital. Ooh. Closing in. Yeah. He'd also moved slowly, as ordering weapons and having them shipped to, like, a what? building near Kira's estate, near Kamakura. Uh, like, he would have facilitated some you know suspicion so he had to do it piece by piece through all of this time huh like people might be like huh why is that guy ordering so many sets of weapons and armor why is he ordering so many handles and then I, the I next week metal i would assume that nick cage's character from lord of war was somehow involved oh dude for sure had to so you just so you just see like Naganori like breach the walls with an M60. <laughs> Na- N- Naganori's like, I want the gun from Rambo. <laughs> yes, the first blood, first blood, the only Rambo. Uh, in, in case you're wondering how Oishi made sure people that he was working with, uh, like on the weapon smuggling and stuff, were loyal to him, he did so in the most insane way possible. He and several other of the Ronin dressed up like policemen and confronted him with evidence that they were smuggling weapons, the, the weapon smuggler, that is. The merchant said instead, like, and, and like the policemen were like, I heard this had something to do with Oishi. 
And the weapons smuggler instead said, no, this is just me trying to make money. You can just kill me and my son. Oh, what? Yeah. You like, think the son than... was in the back like, hold on a sec. <laughs> they can do what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like. <laughs> <laughs> that kid just got volunteered to get fucking got. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, like just completely taking blame, not ratting them out or whatever. Uh, so then Oishi revealed that they weren't actually cops and like, you, you just got punked. <laughs> oh, we got you so good. You should see your fucking face. You offered your kid. <laughs> Rather than selling them out to the cops after that for being unhinged psychopaths, the merchant <laughs> then in- invited Oishi and his men into their house for dinner to, to prepare them for their long trip what? to, uh, Kira's <laughs> estate. Yeah. So, on Genroku 15, or December 14th, 1702, <laughs> okay. if, for those with the Gregorian calendar, um, in the middle of a heavy snowstorm, the 47 Ronin set off towards Kira's castle. Before they left, Oishi gave his teenage son, Chikara, the option to leave and return to his mother rather than go through and fight. Now, remember, all of them are going through this fully accepting that they are going to die. Nobody expects to survive this shit. I wouldn't expect them to survive at all. Chikara chose instead to stay with his father. So the plan was to split up and two groups attacked the castle from the front and one attack, uh, one attacked. The, sorry, they split up in two groups. One attacked the front, one attacked the back. One, uh, uh, one of those groups was led by Oishi and the other was led by his son. The uh, front door, back door method. The old pig roast the castle. <laughs> Uh yeah, and like their their signal was a loud drum being played, at which point both attacks would be launched simultaneously. He's playing the drum. Uh I assume the guy from Metallica. He seems pretty old. Sounds no, good to me. Then he then he would just sue them for pirating his oh. music. <laughs> that doesn't work. No. Anyway, Lars Ulrich, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. I really like Napster, you bastard. <laughs> I'm old, alright, I like Napster. Uh Oishi even thought ahead to talk to Kira's neighbors, who were also fellow lords with samurai at their disposal, and like bodyguards and, the, and like lookouts and what have you. He knew that they would hear and see the fighting and maybe intervene, which would totally ruin their plans. Because remember, they only brought 47 people. Right. So he told them their entire plan and ensured them that they would not be setting on it any fires to the castle so they wouldn't spread. They wouldn't have to worry about any of that. We're like, this isn't going to get out of control. We just came here for Kira. We're... Naganori's retainers. Huh. And this is where I totally believe that Kira is an asshole because not a single one of his neighbors went and warned Kira that nearly 50 men were coming to murder him. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, just keep it down after midnight, y'all. <laughs> yeah. As the battle begins, the Ronin were uh, surprised the castle guards who were mostly asleep after a night of drinking. Nice. Because what would you do if you're on fucking night watch in the middle of a snowstorm? Exactly. The the guards rushed out to fight the Ronin without armor or even shoes in the snow, and they fought for over two hours. What? The Ronin chased them enough, killing or wounding all of them for the uh, the cost of only four lightly wounded. Now, some say that they killed like forty uh, of of Kira's samurai. Another said they killed like twenty. It's whatever. The fact is, they won, and they didn't lose a single one. After dispatching Kira's guard, they found the man himself hiding in a storage shed in his underwear. Is that what you're doing right now? Uh, yep. 
I'm actually outrunning a group of samurai that I pissed off in Washington. Um, Kira was terrified and did not even try putting up a fight. I mean, would you? I mean, no. But like, also, these you know these you know these guys didn't come to arrest you, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You might as well like take a chop at one of them with a sword so they can stab you real fast because you're you're getting stabbed to death. Like this isn't, isn't happening quickly. Do we know that? Maybe it was quick. It was not. Maybe I'll tell like, you why. Hey, it's cold outside. We gotta go. I will tell you why. Oishi produced Naganori's dagger, the same one that he had used to disembowel himself on the Order of the Shogun. Dude kept it. Oh yeah. All right. O- Oishi handed it to Kira and demanded that he kill himself with it. Huh. Kira refused and began to beg for his life. Oishi, being the bro that he is, committed to the act of ritual suicide. Uh, he ordered some of his boys to pin Kira down and ritually killed himself for him by slicing... <laughs> by stabbing him repeatedly in the gut and letting him oh, bleed fuck. out. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't write the poem. I didn't even Don't start it. Don't, don't worry, bro. I got you. Hey, Jim, Bill, hold this motherfucker down. <laughs> we're we're going to seppuku his ass. Hey, Ted, write his poem. Yo, my name is Kira, and I was a baby back bitch all the way till the end. <laughs> Doesn't really flow, but whatever. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Afterwards, they tore out his insides and cut his head off. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should have done something. Pretending he was going for a gun. Well, they're not the cops. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in the background, an LAPD guy's like, nah, he's good. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, just waiting off in the back yelling. <laughs> Clear. Oh, she's like, did he just say a slur? One of the young Ronin was sent to return to Akko and deliver the news that their master had been avenged. The rest of the Ronin walked towards the temple where their master had been buried and they were greeted by throngs of cheering civilians and samurai alike who what? lined the street the entire way because they knew what had happened. This is a movie. <laughs> like, yeah, And then everybody cheered. <laughs> that samurai's name? Albert Einstein. <laughs> yeah. They placed Kira's head on their master's grave, sat down, and waited. Word of Kira's murder quickly spread back to the Shogun, but there was a problem. Pretty much everybody respected and agreed with what Oishi and the Ronin did, reminding samurai that they were supposed to be warriors, not lazy bureaucrats like they had become during the long years of peace during the Tokugawa era. It had been a long time since samurai had been warriors. Like, these guys were fucking, I don't know, paperwork pushers, pretty much. People hoped that this return of the warrior spirit of the samurai class from the Ronin would mean that they would be pardoned by the Shogun himself. And the Shogun was about to grant them clemency. He's like, you know what? I respect your hustle. You're good. But what you did was bad ass. Yeah. Uh, One of his advisors reminded him that it might not be a good idea to encourage widespread blood revenge killings because the Shogun had ordered so many people to kill themselves. (laughs) Sir, you're kind of in the hot seat here. (laughs) It's DJ Khaled in the fucking kimono, sir. You just played yourself. (laughs) And another one! Just another revenge killing. (laughs) Rather than order them executed, the Shogun allowed the men to kill themselves in the way that their master had. So they they allow them to die like warriors. 
The Ronin had been held under house arrest by various different daimyo during this decision-making process, like split up into small groups so they could like be better watched. And the daimyo that they were watching them supported them and, and like respected them so much that they waited until midnight, like a fucking Texas execution, hoping that the the shogun would change his mind. Oh wow! So like, and the Ronin are like, "Yeah, I'm ready to kill myself. Let's just do this." And the daimyo are like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. The shogun might come around." Hold on, give it a second. He's he might come around. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. So on nightfall, uh, that's unfortunately did not happen. Mm. All of the Ronin but one, the man who ran to Akko, who was not arrested, and in, and included... Uh, is he still at he, large? I assume he's probably dead by now unless he's the Highlander. <laughs> yeah. we, then fucking uh, Tokugawa, Japan itself has bigger things to worry about. Uh, this included Oishi's 16-year-old son, by the way. All killed, all killed themselves. That kid's got more commitment than I do. Yeah. Yeah, if my dad is like, I don't know, like... My dad, like, hey, you want to come buy meat with me in the fucking Eagles Club parking lot? Like, nah, man, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> they were buried Is alongside their... Is that where you their... guys used to get your meat from? A parking lot? Oh, we... oh yeah, dude. Like, his, he, had a, he, had a, he had a meat guy that would, like, steal it and then sell it. I mean, we've gotten meat out of, like, a trunk before, but not a fucking parking lot. Oh, yeah, they met up at the Eagles Club because that was the place that, like, it was a bar. It was, like, a private club for, like, poor people, I guess. But they also didn't mind if you did coke in the bathroom. So he was a huge fan. Oh, nice. Yeah. So all of the Ronin were buried alongside their dead masters. And their graves quickly became pilgrimage sites across Japan for peasants, samurai, and daimyo alike. Wow. And uh, they're still there. Um, Actually... One of the funniest parts about this whole thing is if you visit Oishi's grave today, um, you'll see some hints of this. But the first person, or one of one of the first people to visit Oishi's grave, was that Setsuma Domain samurai who had beaten the shit out of him, and then he killed himself on the spot in atonement. What? Yeah, he's. I got mad respect for you, bro. <laughs> Imagine being the guy in charge of keeping all these graves. Like, God damn it, somebody else killed themselves here. <laughs> yeah, the, the fucking night keeper just comes. Back. God damn it. Just mopping up blood and shit. <laughs> yeah, just pissed off. Somebody get the butthole ladle guy to help me. <laughs> hey, he's got big enough problems, man. Don't bring the butthole ladling guy into this. Um, So, the people of Japan were pretty pissed about the Shogun for... Uh, uh, ordering these men to to die, so he reinstated the Akko domain, like, and gave it back to the Naganori family or Naganori's uh, Asano clan. Which this is important. He could have just done all of this at the very beginning, like Oishi had asked, yeah. and none of this would have happened. <laughs> like, all right, surprised there weren't more Ronins going after this guy. Eventually, Kira's family came to the temple because, like. They brought his head there, and they're like, "We need his head to bury him, right?" Uh, so he, like, <laughs> can we have our dude's head back, please? Uh, so they went to retrieve his head so he could be buried with his body, uh, but because it had been checked into the temple by monks, it had to be checked out on a ledger by monks as well. So even today, if you go to the temple, there's a ledger there noting that one human head had been removed from a grave. It's like a 2062. Yeah, yeah, I got a hand receipt you this motherfucker's head. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, let me inspect it before you get it. 
<laughs> uh, shouldn't there be a body attached to this? Mm, no. Just I got what it says right here. It says one head. <laughs> well, uh, one head slightly used. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, we do a thing on this show called Questions from the Legion. Oh, I thought we were going to start butthole ladling. Uh, I am not. Uh, that's actually... I, I tried to go to a butthole ailing night school, and yeah, I just I don't have the deft touch for it. Uh, you'd have to know what the ladler wants the water temp at. I assume it's got to be warm, right? Like nobody wants ice cold no. water poured under their butthole. No, but you know how some people are where they want the shower steaming hot, and some people want it just right warm. That's fair. Yeah. So, yeah, you know that's kind of hard to do. So. Our question from the Legion today uh, is, if we were not a military history podcast, what kind of podcast would you be? I guess we can't even call ourselves a military history podcast all the way. We just cover history now, I guess. Uh, But what kind of podcast would you be if you're not the podcast you currently are? Legos. A Lego-based podcast? Yes. It's just an hour of us pouring Legos out on the floor and stomping on them. (laughs) This This is what you wanted. (laughs) This is what you wanted. That's a very, that's got to be a fetish of some kind, right? It has to be. (laughs) I would probably say a movie podcast because whenever, like, one, it's, like, I still have to do research, right? Like, and I'm I'm a research hog. It's what I enjoy. I'm fucking content pig for research. But also, like, some of our best episodes have been us screaming at movies, I think. Um, And they make for great content because there's a lot of terrible movies out there that we have to keep watching. That that we do have to keep watching. That are also, it's low hanging fruit, right? Right. Like, we have to scrape through, hit like thousands of years of history to find funny donkeys or like badasses or dumb tanks every once in a while or whatever but like movies already got that all laid out for you like somebody hired nick cage again i guess we're watching that movie like you know it writes itself which is why there's so many podcasts out there like that um but yeah it's low-hanging fruit and and the joke's normally written for you right it's great the work is done nick that is the 47 ronin how do you feel fucking awesome that was great yeah, I really liked it. Not, not enough uh, yield Japan content on this goddamn podcast, let me tell you. Oh, man. I love Japan. Would love to hear more. I'd really like to go there and uh, go to the uh, 47 Ronin uh, site. You know, if I do, and I do plan on it because I'm, you know, marketably closer now that I'm in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And the flight, the flight is much more tolerable. You know, if, we, if we're ever, if Americans are ever allowed to go to another foreign country again after all of this. I am going to Slav squat directly in front of this this temple. Dude. I'm, it's going to happen. I'm going to do it. I'm fucking down. It, it's not disrespectful. It's not like I'm going to fucking pop a Gopnik squat right on you know, uh, Oishi's grave or some shit. But nearby. I feel like nearby <laughs> is fine. <laughs> it's a respectful Slav squat. You got to squat one out for your homies, a right? A respectable distance. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a it'll be mournful slav squat. Yeah, and <laughs> in, in this squat, I show that I am in uh, I am in mourning until somebody brings a dagger to you. <laughs> I deserve it at this point. 
Nick, thank you for joining me. Everybody, thank you for joining us. And we will see you next week. Until next week, uh, uh, ladle that butthole, folks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs>